Hi, I'm Jeff Ranke, Editorial Director of Manufacturing.net and Manufacturing Business Technology. Welcome to Security Breach. The numbers continue to roll in and they're not getting better yet. Ransomware attack payouts continue to grow, with the average topping out at $4.5 million in 2022. Similarly, malware attacks continue to escalate, and response times, due to smarter phishing schemes and harder-to-detect dormant infiltrations, are taking companies more than nine months to detect and another three months to contain. This is resulting in lost data with immeasurable value, losses of business opportunities worth over $1.5 million, and additional costs associated with controlling the data breach, reaching upwards of $5 million per attack. These are all stats sourced from IBM's recent data breach cost report. However, there are solutions being developed for the industrial marketplace. And joining us to discuss some of them is Eric Gross. He's Red Zone's VP of Security and Application Support. Red Zone is a leading provider of remote operation software and data storage and security. Thanks for joining us, Eric. You know, you have kind of an interesting role, and then the fact that you sort of serve two masters a little bit, both internally there at Red Zone, as well as externally in working with Red Zone's customers. So maybe you could kind of talk us through those roles a little bit and maybe how they feed off of each other. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, Jeff. So securing cloud environments and securing manufacturing facilities, it is slightly different. The threats against Red Zone are just a little different from the threats our customers see, but being a part of the customer delivery, it helps ensure a complete feedback loop with the product and that we're proactive with our deployment methods to changes that come in manufacturing. There is a dangerous gap between us though, um, where either party could assume that the other is responsible. And a lot of manufacturers have identified this as like an IT OT gap but not necessarily where do their vendors live between this space. One fundamental thing that Red Zone does, as an example, is not require internal networks to ever communicate. We wanna keep your IT and your OT separate. So the minimal amount of integration with those OT networks, but that type of knowledge and learning those types of terms and those types of uh, overall methodologies within manufacturing, that's what makes Red Zone's deployment and Red Zone's overall product better. Okay. You know, one of the things we previously talked about, too, is as manufacturers go through more of these digital transformation um, uh, um, processes and as that is an internal strategy, it can create a lot of vulnerabilities that they may not have even thought about before. Maybe you could talk a little bit about, first of all, what are some of the vulnerabilities you're seeing more manufacturers come across and, and maybe some of the strategies that you've seen them implement or helped implement to address them? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, first of all, I would encourage all employers, especially manufacturers, to hire security professionals to help with all steps. But the, the first thing that really comes to mind is getting a third-party risk assessment done. Third-party risk assessments are a great way to help identify and prioritize risks. They're great for leadership to help make decisions on where funds or budget should go towards with security programs. And if you're looking to get a head start, I think it's vital for manufacturers to really have a good inventory of their technology. It's where that risk assessment is going to begin, but what kind of PLC is out there? What version is it running on? What network is that IoT device on, right? Those are the types of things that that's, that's really where the vulnerabilities live and that we don't know what we have yet. And so that discovery phase, that's where I would recommend manufacturers start. You know, we've heard a lot of too about just taking an inventory, basically understanding all of the different API connections and all the different assets that are connected. Have you worked with manufacturers in that sort of um, dynamic in terms of just helping them create an inventory of all the possible connected points? Well, we see it come up naturally. So as Red Zone looks to create or get data collection off certain points, 
there, there's always a, a new conversation that comes up with customers of, oh, we didn't know we had this, or this is new, or we've never tried to connect with this before. So it, I would say it comes up naturally, um, not necessarily in the, uh, in the nature of security, but it does in the terms of now we're starting to get things cataloged. We're starting to learn what IP addresses we have, versions, what's communicating with what. And so it, it can be an entry point, even though it may not come with that, uh, that intention early on. So in talking about data and connection points, it's kind of a natural segue into cloud computing. I know you guys do a lot with cloud and helping customers there. It's something that manufacturers, I think, feel is sort of a set it and forget it type of dynamic. And they, they forget sometimes that they're still vulnerable even in that cloud. Maybe you could talk to us a little bit on, on some of the things you've experienced with cloud networking and the security that it still demands. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's two things that really come to my mind with cloud security. And it's very important as a first thing to have layers of protection. You really just can't rely on a single thing between you and a hacker. A hacker's got that full access, right? You're making some things publicly available, some things not. And so it's important to have defense in depth or overall layers in your security program. The second thing is don't get so distracted uh, by building up those walls around your cloud environment that you forget about the people. The people are always going to be the first mechanism, the first area of defense and you can't forget about them along the way. So having a good awareness program, training, knowing everybody what they're defending uh, or telling everybody what they're defending, all of those things come into uh, great importance with cloud computing. And interestingly enough, we are starting to see manufacturers include or, or move up some of their infrastructure into cloud environments. And that's a trend that's really started over the last year or so. That's, that's not something we've seen a lot of in the past. Um, but manufacturing is going to start needing to consider cloud to cloud communication and really making sure that they've got a holistic defense system set up around migrating from on-prem solutions to cloud solutions. Interesting. You know, it's kind of, um, I guess before I, before I get into that follow-up question, just want to talk a little bit more about some of these different types of attacks too. Are there any that you're really seeing out there that have escalated recently, whether it be the, the, the tactics that they're taking or even some of these new groups that seem to always be popping up? Yeah, well, the new technique is still the old technique. It's phishing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what's different in today's world is the amount of effort that a hacker will put into a spear phishing attempt on a single individual and the amount of recon that they'll do once they have access to compromise additional assets. You always have to remember what you make available publicly can be used against you. A new job promotion on LinkedIn, maybe when you're traveling to another manufacturing site or a customer and especially the technology that you use inside of your plant, that's all great pretext for a phishing attempt or a hacker against you. And the one thing that also stands out in today's world is hackers, they much more prefer to log in as opposed to break in. And so they're gonna to try to get access and get your credentials in any way possible. So in short, the new technique is still the old technique, but there's just some new tricks and they're taking advantage of uh, new technology along the way. Well, one of the things that you had mentioned in working with employees to understand all the things that are going on there is sort of the term practicing chaos, which I thought was kind of interesting. Maybe you could explain that a little bit more and, and what that means as a potential strategy for the industrial sector. Oh, yeah, this is certainly one of my overall favorite strategies to help create our culture. And one of the reasons is that security moves so fast and our ability to be able to react and to change is just as important as our ability to implement security controls. And so we do things at Red Zone to really test our immunity or think of it as our ability to really stay anti-fragile. 
our bug bounty program, for example, a great example. It's got uh, thousands of ethical hackers that are constantly trying to hack the Red Zone application and they're providing feedback directly to our engineers. And that creates a mindset and a culture with our development program that when we release something, there's already you know, thousands of ethical hackers trying to come at it and it's random and it's chaotic. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, a bug bounty that we awarded to uh, a security researcher and it actually <laughs> it, it went to the custodian of the hacker because <laughs> we were told that uh, he or she was only 13 or 14 years old. And I think that's just a great example wow. of what you think about with, yeah, with um, with what's out there on the other side is just, it's random and we don't know. We also practice other internal red team activities that include everything from offboarding and then re-onboarding employees quickly with their manager's approval, of course. And that really tests our access systems. We do things like phishing workshops to see if, you know, one team can help hack or fish another, another department. But overall, these all have the same end game in mind. And that's, we want to maintain a paranoid, but a very fun culture that really gets universal participation and everyone included with security. You know, looking at things from your internal role there in terms of ensuring red zone cyber defenses, I would think working for a software company, keeping employees educated and sort of paying attention to a lot of things that you might do, whether it's double factor authentication or zero trust, it's probably received a little bit more readily than maybe in a manufacturing enterprise. What advice could you offer to some of our watchers and listeners in terms of how do you keep employees engaged in a lot of those best practices and, and not get them to just look at them as it's kind of a pain to, to continually do this? Yeah. Yeah. You have to gamify your awareness program. You have to make it the carrot, not the stick. And, you know, at Red, what we do at Red Zone could easily be applied at any industry, manufacturing or otherwise, where you reward your employees for spotting phishing attempts. You reward your employees for creating an awareness because really what we're doing as security professionals is we're teaching a skill. We're upskilling people and teaching them how to spot things, how to not be tricked, uh, how to how to protect their systems. That those are things that those are skills that people don't necessarily come to work with every day. And right. so that's our job to train them and gamifying that, making it fun. You know, even if it's something as small as gift cards or t-shirts or or maybe even vacations or trips, those those are things that employees uh, pay attention to. And want to be a part of and that's um that's what i would recommend for all industries not just manufacturing okay i want to circle back to something else you said early on sort of about a little bit of division between the it and the ot data sets because right now in manufacturing in a lot of instances we're trying to break down those silos so to speak and get those two entities talking to each other so maybe you could go into a little bit more detail in terms of the strategy and sort of separating those two i'm sure you still want them to talk to each other though right we do, we do, and there's there are good strategies out there. We look at the Purdue model or ISA 95 and look at where we're going through different levels, right? Where we have a, a lower level with our devices and then that crawls up into cloud environments. And we wanna make sure that the traffic and the networks and everything are segmented in between and, and funneled up correctly. So it, it's a sense of zero trust in a manufacturing environment, but we have to start thinking about drawing that zero trust uh, from a networking standpoint and not just a big perimeter around the facility which is what it's traditionally been no that makes a lot of sense i think one of the challenges with manufacturers is they strive to get more and more of this enterprise data visible and more widely spread Th that becomes a challenge then in almost opening it up too much or becoming too open with that data have you seen or experienced kind of a similar situation or, or maybe offered some fixes in those types of situations 
Absolutely. And it, it's important that for us as a cloud vendor that we fit the customer's ecosystem well. I mean, we have to play very nicely with other software and other systems. And RedZone is constantly looking at new ways to present secure methods for our customers to access their data. One fun recent example has been our inclusion of using Snowflake. Uh, Snowflake allows other Snowflake customers to have a data share and communicate as kind of a tight channel instead of publicly making that data available. And so there are new creative technology solutions to help with data warehousing, extracting, transforming data, because that, that is today's world, right? We need to connect ERP systems and, and CMMS systems and red zone and everything's got to come together to paint the picture for manufacturers. Absolutely. You've talked a lot about some of the things that Red Zone is doing, which is, it's kind of nice to hear because we hear so much of the bad stuff and some of the challenges that are going right on right now in the industrial sector. Are there other things that you'd like to talk about that Red Zone is working to do to help solve some of these, these challenges and problems? Yeah, one of the things that becomes very difficult as a, as a software like Red Zone is implemented is creating a digital identity for the workers on the front line. That's not something that has existed in the past, and it's something that we need to have now. So I think educating our customers on let's start getting that digital identity, let's start a single sign-on process for frontline workers. That's something that not just from a technology standpoint we support, but also from a more coaching and, and, and getting the IT teams involved and identity teams uh, to get more of the company involved with their single sign-on and identity practices. But have you worked with any customers in response to a cyber attack? I mean, if you could just share any of those types of best practices, I guess. Yeah, sure. We have, and what, you know, we're actually working on one right now, believe it or not. Uh, one thing that happens all the time is we'll see a customer's email account compromised. And what the, what the attacker is gonna do in this situation is get a list of all the contacts in their mailbox and then just email everybody with a phishing attempt to try and really widen their attack surface area. And so we see that. And the first thing we're gonna do is try and block the customer's domain so that we protect ourselves but we do actively reach out to our customers to notify them and let them know something's happened. We wanna make sure you're aware that this, this account's compromised. We wouldn't anticipate this type of, um, this type of email or this type of message from, from one of our customers. And we hope that that um, encourages other industries or other manufacturers to really do the same. We want everybody to communicate those types of things from one security department to another. I think another thing is, you know, we do have customers that notify us when uh, they have a ransomware event or they have a significant incident going on and they want to know is, is our data within red zone protected? Because a lot of these events live on premise or inside of the customer infrastructure. And we do confirm with them, here are the things that you should look at, but yes, you are safe. So look at, you know, email exchange or anything that you might have that lives locally, but know that in a cloud environment, when you have you know, an infrastructure locally that's compromised, you're in a safe position. But we do work with customers to make sure that they know, and we have a playbook ready for that as well. You know, you brought up an interesting point there. I'd like to get your, your personal thoughts on that element of transparency and sharing more information because in so many instances, and it's understandable, a company gets hit and they want to keep it behind closed doors. They don't want to share a lot of information. There's legislation out there right now that's being pushed to make more of those tax sort of public record or at least within Homeland Security so that information can be accessed and shared to sort of come up with best practices from a defensive position. What's your take there? Do you think the industry needs to get better at sharing that information? Is there a better route in terms of making it available without exposing people or making them look bad, I guess? Uh, what's your thought? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, this is a really tough problem. And you look at some of the recent events like LastPass, 
where you see something unfold over weeks and weeks and weeks, and you and it really makes you question the integrity behind the program of a company. And that's not that's not the goal of the transparency, right? The goal is that other folks or other companies aren't affected by the same thing that impacted you. And I, I do see some companies out there leading the way with this. Cloudflare and Twilio both posted uh, some recent phishing attempts that came after them. And, and those are the types of things that really help you know, smaller companies like Red Zone. Because we look at those attempts, we say, are we, are we ready for this? Can we defend ourselves? Are we protected? And I, I certainly think that you know, sharing those types of things in a communal way could go a long way for everybody's security program. There's of course limits to what could be shared. Uh, especially, you know, when you can think about uh, insurance and claims and users and impacts and other vulnerabilities. But when it comes to helping out your neighbors and the people around you, yeah, the more transparency in that area, the better. Well, and in this instance, by helping you understand it, you can pass that along to exponentially more people just via your customer base. So it it makes a lot of sense there. And it's it's a slippery slope. You can definitely see both sides of it. But I tend to agree with you in terms of the need for greater transparency. You know, you mentioned a lot about phishing attacks, Eric. The other big one you also alluded to for the industrial sector are ransomware attacks. So I always like to ask everybody who comes on Security Breach, ransomware, what is your personal take? Do you pay the ransom? Do you hold out? What are, what's your thought? <laughs> well, everybody says no, you don't pay the <laughs> ransom. But I think the best take is to get the FBI involved first because they are a free resource for you. I know it feels like you're kind of reporting something to them and it, it, it may feel like you may not want to do that, but the truth is they deal with this every day and you don't. And so getting them involved would be very helpful. But, you know, our take is that, you know, we have to see it. We have backups of everything. And, and our strategy is that we won't need to entertain the question, but you always have to look at it and, you know, with an open mind and say, okay, what, what, what is, <laughs> what, what can we do? What do we need to do? But, um, and what can our, what will we have our insurance do? But certainly uh, our strategy would be to not pay a ransom. Excellent. So looking forward, maybe 12 to 18 months, Eric, are there some trends that you're seeing out there, either stuff we need to look out for, or maybe some progress on the white hat side of things that we can be encouraged by? So the world is really starting to zero in on privacy and the, the laws around it, the legislations that are coming, there's, there are some state-based laws that are popping up now. GDPR has been around for some time, and there are a lot of programs looking to mature and base you know, their governance programs around that privacy. Uh, there, there are a lot of privacy things that are, I think are going to help us in the long term, especially with phishing pretext and, and that sort of thing. So uh, privacy, although it's not the you know, sexiest topic amongst <laughs> cybersecurity, it does set the landscape and it does yeah. it does change a lot of programs and a lot of a lot of things, the way we capture data and the way we use it. Um, but of course, the other thing that we're seeing here is, and of course, this always comes in cybersecurity, when there's some new type of technology, uh, there will be a way to weaponize it. And right now that technology is artificial intelligence. And, you know, at first it just seemed like this kind of fun, trendy term, but now we're starting to see security threats built off chat GPT. Yeah. And our overall sense of trust, I think, is going to start to decrease. Um, you know, maybe maybe our imagination runs a little bit from movies like Mission Impossible. You know, we haven't quite seen artificial intelligence with, you know, face generating uh, masks and that kind of stuff to wear yet. Yeah. But those, those are where your those are where your imagination starts to run, and you always watch the technology. We saw what social media did to you know overall cybersecurity programs. Now, what is is AI going to do that same type of thing? 
over the next 18 months. Absolutely. You know, those are really interesting points you bring up there in terms of trends. I think from the privacy perspective, putting those types of precautions in place allows us to take them the next step in terms of enforcement and even potentially sharing more information, getting more transparency out about a, a lot of the cyber security activity. And AI, I agree, it's scary on both sides. It's amazing what it can do. But again, like you said, sometimes we can't have nice things. So <laughs> thanks, Eric. For more information on the work Red Zone does, you can check them out at www.rzsoftware.com. Thank you for joining us today. To catch up on past episodes, you can go to manufacturing.net, ien.com, or mbtmag.com. You can also check Security Breach out wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Amazon, and Overcast. And if you have a cybersecurity story or topic that you'd like us to explore on Security Breach, you can reach me at jeff at ien.com. For Eric Gross, I'm Jeff Ranke, and this is Security Breach.